Welcome to Total Recast. I'm your host, Salem Monsoon, joined as always by my co-host, Vincent King. Howdy, howdy. The game of the podcast is simple. Kane and I pick a movie to rate, review, and discuss. If it's bad, we remake it. And if it's good, we leave it alone. Either way, we recast it. But the only rules being that if Bill Paxton's in it, no matter how big or small the role, we have to recast. And that no actor or director can be used more than once within a 12-episode period. We affectionately refer to that as the Tom Hardy rule because we love him so much, we want to put him in every fucking movie. Now, with all that bullshit aside, hey, Kane, what movie are we recasting tonight? We are recasting David Fincher's 1999 film, Fight Club. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Why? How much can you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? Wait, let me start earlier. Like many of you, I was stuck. You want me to deprioritize my current reports yeah. until you advise a status upgrade? Make these your primary action items. I couldn't sleep. No, you can't die from insomnia. I'd flip through catalogs and wonder, what kind of dining set defines me as a person? This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. Welcome. I prayed for a different life. Soap. I make and I sell soap. This is how I met Tyler Durden. Come on, hit me before I lose my nerve. on the tip of everyone's tongue can i be next we just gave it a name gentlemen welcome to fight club first rule of fight club is wow nice you do not talk about fight club is that your blood some of it yeah after fight club we all started seeing things differently you're gonna have to keep me up all night and she ruined everything you're not into her are you no, God, not at all. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. He had a plan. <laughs> to what purpose? In Tyler, we trusted. I gotta take a fight club up a notch. Each one of you has a homework assignment. You're gonna start a fight with a total stranger. That's not necessary. You're gonna lose. <laughs> that hurt. looking for a way to change your life you got it i'm stopping this it's already done so shut up what kind of sick game are you playing oh my god So before we get into the movie review proper, have you read the novel? No. (laughs) (laughs) Have you read anything from Chuck Palahniuk? Uh, Probably not. I mean, you you know if you did. No. Yeah. I mean, I've read, I I read uh, and I've read some stuff, but I, no, not enough. Yeah, I don't. I, I really much. like that answer. I read. I've read. <laughs> I read. I've read. A I have. Book. I have read it before. I've read a book. It wasn't <laughs> this one. It's, I specifically chose not to read this one. Thank you very little. Are you a fan of this movie? Because it seems like you have a bone to pick with Fight Club. I okay. So when I watched this, so this came out in '99. And I was a teenager. I was actually like, a, I was, I don't know, 18, 19 when it came out. So dating myself a little bit. 
which is fine. I I loved it. I really I did like it because, you know, I I came into it. You know, Fincher. I mean, great. I mean, it was like what what was not to like at this time at 1999. Fincher, you know, coming off of Seven, one of my favorite movies, and then you had um, Edward Norton, who was one of my favorite actors at the time, coming off of Rounders, Primal Fear, American History X, three movies that are still some of my favorite movies. And then you throw in Brad Pitt, who was, you know, on fire then. And I, I mean, it's like, well, of course I, I wanted to see this movie. I was very hyped for this movie. I watch it. I did like this movie, but do you ever have those movies that you enjoy and you think are really good, but you never really return to like, you never feel like I don't really want to watch it again. Like, eh. Like I've watched this twice. Like I watched it in theaters back in 1999 and I've watched it once since then. And it's just, I think it's, I think it's good. I think uh, for what it, at the time that it was, you know, the, the acting uh, and the direction and the storytelling was really good. I think that when Brad Pitt was on screen, it was a home run when he wasn't, uh, you know, it was like, I, I loved Edward Norton, but I didn't really care too much for his character. I get why he was the way he was, uh, you know, if you know the movie and all that, but I, yeah, the movie, the movie is, is good. I don't, I don't love it as much as other people do. I'm not a dude bro person and all that kind of stuff. So maybe that's why, and not to offend any dude bro, bros that are no offend them. Listening. Fuck them. <laughs> but fuck the dude bros. It, it, it was something that I really, I did like, but it's also, I, I saw what it was talking about and it wasn't like this big revelation to me of the, the, the hidden, not so subtle slap in the face meaning of it. Uh, so I, I thought it was good, but it's not something that I've ever wanted. Do you, you, you know what I'm talking about? You've had those movies, right? Yeah. This is, there's a, a meme about this movie. I think somebody said it on Twitter or something. Every five years, you will go from loving this movie to hating this movie, back to loving and back back and forth. Because you watch it when you're... Because this is the perfect movie for men in their teens or, or around 20s, right? Right. Yeah. You see it and you're like, this is the coolest fucking movie I've ever seen. It's guys punching each other and everything that comes out of Tyler Durden's exactly. mouth is the but truth. Not, the name alone is okay. It's sold. I mean, I'm not, I'm 18 years old. With you know, got a hard on all the time. Fight Club. Let's fight. Let's go. Right. Fight Club. I've I've compared Fight Club to Breakfast at Tiffany's. I think Breakfast at Tiffany's is the female version. Not so much now because w- women don't really talk about Breakfast at Tiffany's. But if you went into a guy's, I mean, if you went into any college dorm from like 99 to 2005, you were going to get Fight Club posters and Scarface posters. And both of those movies are movies making fun of the people who would love these movies and they didn't get it. And that's the problem at, with Fight Club is it's too good at what it's doing that people don't even see it as satirical. And I think some people still don't get that it hates the people. Tyler Durden is the worst fucking person. When I was younger, yeah, I was like, fuck it, burn it all down. Burn it all down. Fuck Starbucks, fuck all this shit. Tyler Durden. And now I look at him, I'm like, I want to beat the shit out of him. Like, I can't (laughs) fucking stand Get a real job, dude. Yeah. 
Yeah, cry me a fucking river. <laughs> I, I can't stand that motherfucker. Like it's I've turned a corner, not on the movie. And I think that that's the problem with yeah, it's the the pr- biggest problem I have with Fight Club are the people who love Fight Club because they've ruined it. They're one of the fandoms like Rick and Morty or Steven Universe or inserts fandom here where the fans have just ruined it by being the worst people in Star the Wars. Star Wars. I mean, I I, I didn't want to include Star Wars because <laughs> everyone loves Star Wars. But yeah, eh. Star Wars to eh. a degree. I mean, it's eh. Star Wars is like a religion eh. to people. So yeah. I mean, Big Lebowski to a certain degree. It's like yeah. you guys... I, I get loving stoner the, movies. Yeah. I just get, I, I get loving the thing that you love, but I don't get making it your entire persona. And that's fight club is people made it their religion. They're like, Oh my God, the, the cults, if the movie became real. Right. Because, how many people started, how many people started dressing like Tyler Durden? Like I, I I'm wearing like Walmart, wind pants with the different colored stripes down with doc martens and a collared shirt and a vest and nothing matching but i you know i've got my aviator glasses on and you know and i'm gonna walk and i'm gonna be cool you know i mean how many people started dressing because of this now this isn't the first movie to do that but yeah i get exactly what you're saying this was something is like i'm gonna be i'm gonna be tyler durden he's my hero it's. I mean, the only good thing that came out of this is a sketch from the TV show Whitest Kids You Know, where a boss of like some corp corporation or whatever is he sees some kids, some employees like hanging around and like, you guys starting a fight club? And I'm like, what? Like you guys starting a fight club? And he keeps, and they're not starting a fight club, but they have to make a fight club just to shut him the fuck up. And then they just beat the shit out of them. I mean, it's funnier than what I'm describing, obviously. Man, that was a good show. It was that was a that was a solid sketch show. But it's just it's I hate the fact that people didn't get it. And then because the people who this movie is targeting are the worst fucking people. They're the worst people. Right. If you had a fight club poster hanging on your wall. And you were over the age of twenty. You're the worst person. This is. You should only buy Ty, Tyler Dern's bullshit when you're a teenager. Once you hit twenty, yeah, you're the guy that's still wearing affliction shirts. Like you're, like, and you've never once d- taken an MMA class or anything. No. What? Once you pay, uh, once you start doing your taxes, Tyler Dern starts losing his power. Once you buy into the fact that no, this is what you have to do. That no, f- fuck Tyler Durden. He's trash. Now, having said that, he is also the coolest f- motherfucker in the world. Yeah, Brad Pitt plays it so well. I mean, he's a perfect. He was the perfect guy to play this role. It's he's because I mean we're gonna get into it obviously, but he right. is the living manifestation of id, right? So he's right. the he should be the perfect ideal because when you everyone who pictures themselves doesn't picture a weaker version of themselves they picture the best version of themselves and that's brad pitt he's the he is the extreme alpha male right i saw when i saw once upon a time in hollywood in the theaters and he's on the roof 
changing whatever. He's installing a satellite dish or whatever the hell he's doing on the roof. Fixing the gutters. I don't remember what the fuck he's doing. He has a shirt off. Satellite. Yeah, and, and were there satellites in the 70s? I don't remember. I think, oh, not the satellite. It was the antenna cable. Yeah, Sorry. antenna. Yeah, I'm yeah, thinking yeah. satellite, but yeah. they, it was the antenna. Yeah, he's up there, and he has a shirt off, and he's in his 50s, and women were still hollering because that's the power of Brad Pitt. Even at almost 60, his shirt comes off. The women go crazy because he is the last movie star we have. We don't have any more movie stars. He's gorgeous to look at. Objectively, he is a gorgeous man. Plus, he's also just badass. He just has that fucking Robert Redford charisma about him where it's just oozing out of every fucking pore. So, yeah, he is perfectly cast in this. So I get that people, because I bought into it, too. I'm one of them. I wanted, it's just like, I don't need, I could live on the streets. I don't need to fucking buy into the man. And my mom's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're a fucking, yeah. you're an idiot. You're an idiot. I'm like, she's like, you're saying all this shit, but you're living with me. You're on the fucking computer. <laughs> you know, she's like, yeah. I know. It's like those people that are, you know, I hate, I hate uh, capitalism and all that stuff. But you're while you're tweeting that from your Apple phone mm-hmm. and drinking your Starbucks, yeah. I'm like, no, shut up, shut up. Quit trying to quit trying to be a poser and just be. And I don't. I I do get the idea of it. Yes, I mean, kind of what you're talking about the id of like, yeah, I want to be the best. I'm the, I want to picture myself the best I can be. I think that's where people kind of go the down. And we're gonna get some philosophy, <laughs> philosophical stuff here. But you know, I want to be the best person I can be. But there's also that. Uh, so I want I want to better myself. I want I, I'm I want to be happy in what I'm doing, right? But there's also limitations to what you can also do in that to be a, not being a, a complete jerk and not be a, you know a complete menace to society at the same time. There's there's a balance there, and Tyler Durden is has no balance. It is straight selfishness all about him. Yeah, there's this big scheme to help everybody. No, but it, it's mainly because of him, and that's in a, in theory there's a there's a great point there you know but like you said there's a lot of people a lot of people that miss the point on this movie and you hit the nail on the head that yeah and this was in the you know this was right at the end i wouldn't say right at the end uh well i mean it came in at the end of the 90s but there was that grunge attitude era type of you know especially like you know like you know, I was a big wrestling fan in the late nineties and whatnot. Stone Cold Steve Austin, all that, that attitude that's just flip off your boss and you know, you know, that whole living vicariously through him, but you know, flipping off the boss, the the principal, whoever, and Tyler Durden Fight Club was right there, kind of in that mix of feeling this whole environment shift of anti-authority in that in, in that way for selfish reasons as opposed to bettering everybody. And this this movie just yeah it, it hit it made it made I, i'm surprised i was looking at the box office it didn't make as much as i th- i mean i guess for 99 but this thing was a 63 million dollar budget and made 101 million i i mean i've i i guess i don't know if i'm not a huge box office person but as far as knowing exactly i mean i know 100 million and 99 is good but uh, 63 million is quite a bit too 
So, I mean, I, I don't think that this is not a flop by any measure, but I would have thought it would have been higher. No, this is definitely a cult movie. I think this thing is one of those movies that, yeah, it didn't bomb. I mean, if I mean technically, if you take into account the ad rev, I mean the you know the posters and all that shit, that end of it, it probably oh, yeah. didn't even yeah. even break even. It probably just broke even. So technically, that's a bomb. Bombs don't mean anything anymore. No. I hate that. I hate that phrase. Oh, it was a bomb. No, motherfucker. You guys, the Heaven's Gate was a bomb. Like it tanked an entire studio. Cutthroat yeah. Island was a bomb. Like it destroyed a studio. Those were bombs. Movies that leave craters that studios cannot crawl out of, those are bombs. This movie, I mean, Waterworld was not a bomb. We need to stop calling it a bomb. It's a movie that just didn't make as much money as people thought it would make. So I don't think Fight Club, I mean, history probably thinks of it as a maybe a bomb, but no, it's it's one of those movies that had a huge half-life on VHS because yeah. it's fucking exploded. Everyone, my mom saw this fucking thing. <laughs> she, uh, it, 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 and she loved it. And I was like, what? why do you like this? <laughs> I mean, it's one of those, it was just one of those things. So, but no, I at the I'm at the point now that I really like it. I've divorced it from what it does to people, what it means to people. I just have to distance my I just I've gotten to the point now where I just hate all fandom for everything. Because fans are the worst people. They really truly are. I mean, I think that's probably why I don't like Star Wars. Because I hate Star Wars fans. I can't stand them. So, because of that, I will never get into Star Wars. I mean, how many times do I have to hear that fucking Han shot first? I'm like, let it go. It was 40 fucking years ago. Or what, 40? Han shot first. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I don't. Like, the second it uploaded on Disney+, and this isn't even the second it uploaded, somebody was finding flaws with the... I was like, Jesus Christ. I don't know. You're gonna have to explain the Han shot first. I haven't, I don't know what that is. Okay. I guess I'm gonna have to explain this. Okay. <laughs> Notoriously in the cantina bar, and he's talking okay. to that green alien, the bounty hunter. Right. He, uh, he has the gun on the, the blaster at his side, and he shoots Greedo. That was the original theatrical cut. Okay. He's just, without even thinking, he just shoots the fucker. Now, when George Lucas, in 1997 did the how have you never heard the phrase Han shot first this is insane to me I literally I, I am not a Star Wars I don't I don't pay attention when people start talking about Star Wars I go to sleep like I don't I'm not sitting here saying I hate Star Wars I'm not that person you should though. I enjoy a couple of the movies but the moment you start talking about Star Wars I'm done with you I really don't know why I know so much about Star Wars when I don't like Star Wars yeah. But in 1997, when he added all the digital effects and shit, which I don't know if you know this, but the original theatrical cut of those movies, he's ne have never been on DVD or Blu-ray. Well, he yeah. he added the, the the digital effects and all the CGI bullshit in 1997, which has still pissed off fans. All of those movies are on VHS, the original theatrical cut, but he's never put them on DVD. When he did that, um, 
he altered the scene slightly so that they kind of shoot at the same time and he's just quicker. And that's pissed off fans for like 45 years that Han not only doesn't shoot first now, but he's just reacting, which I, because it ruins the character in their mind because Han is one of those that just shoots first as no, no questions asked. Like I'm cool. Okay, So people are upset that he shot first and it, they changed it from him shooting first. Yeah, he's no longer shooting first. He's just react. He's like really quick and he's reacting to a shot. Like they, they, he digitally altered him to make him look like he's moving away from a laser shot. It's a, it's like who gives a shit, nerds? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, really get over. I mean, I, yeah. I've heard this for 45 years (laughs) and I'm not even another reason not to like it. I'm 34 and I've heard it for 45 years. (laughs) I'm like, I don't give a shit about what George Lucas did to his movies. They're his movies. They're his, at the end of the day, he let you make those fan films. He he let you play in his sandbox, but they're his movies to fuck up. There is. So if if so if it had been the original way, if there was the Han like reacting, so the the second version of it where he doesn't shoot first, if that had been the original, are you still not locking Han Solo? Is that that's how stupid it is? You're still going to be in love with this man if you if you like this character. You're not going to be like, oh, well, he reacted, so I don't think he's so cool now. Like no, like get over yourself. I, yeah, I let it go. I mean, I get it because it's a cool moment that he just shoots and like whatever, and then making him react instead of just you know preemptively just shooting him, that takes away some of the edge. But I'm like, I don't fucking cares. It's it's like they don't care. They do, Disney does not give a shit. I would love to see the original. Watch it and pay in. I know. I would love to see. The original versions on, because I have wanted to rewatch these movies. So watch them all in one day, because it's been I've only seen all of the the original trilogy all the way through once. I know this is mind blowing to some people. I have only seen Star Wars four, five, and six one time in my entire life, and one of them was recently Return of the Jedi. I, I sat down and watched the entire thing beginning to end maybe two years ago. Like, I was like, I have to watch this thing. I just absorb these things through fucking osmosis. Cause they're always, I, I've always seen a clip in my mind, just put them in order. And that was it. So when I finally sat down to watch these fucking things, they, it was there. I hadn't missed anything. It's just one of those movies that's because it's so iconic, like Frankenstein before I sat down to see, see Frankenstein, I had already seen it. Like, it's just through various clips I've seen over the years. I'm like, oh, I've already seen this fucking thing. Just not in order. My mind just put it in order, and I hadn't really missed anything. But, I mean, we're, we're getting into Star Wars. Yeah, we're, we've already alienated dude bros and Star <laughs> Wars fans, so. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of the same cross-section, honestly. If you make a Venn diagram of dude bros and people bitching about Han Solo, I mean, in the middle, it's... <laughs> I don't, the guys wearing hats backwards or some shit. like right, it's yeah. th- it's not too far removed. They're both bitches <laughs> at the end of the day. I, come at me! I don't give a shit. Both of you suck. People who love Fight Club and people bitching about Han Solo, I you're no different to me. 
You might hate each other and you might think that the other one is worse. No, you're the same. You suck. But uh, what grade would you give this, sir? What what, what, what you giving this? I oh, it's it's tough because it's like okay, so I think it's right at. I'm gonna throw it at an A minus. Oh, that's higher than I thought. I was thinking either B plus or A minus. I, I I do think it is really good. I, I like I said, I do think it is really good. I I think objectively speaking, it's well acted. It's definitely well directed. The storytelling is very well done. There's some there's some memorable moments. There's some memorable characters. It does a lot of you know really really good things. It does have a stamp on you know cult stat pop culture that kind of stuff and i think just it, it is a good movie it's just not a movie that i love and it's not a movie that i'm going to return to i may be 10 years from now or something i'll probably be like, okay i'm going to try i'm going to give it one more shot and see how this goes uh, but uh, but i do recognize how well it is made and and how well everybody involved how well they did their job so i would say right at an a minus right i mean like barely a minus well, here's my thing is I feel like there's different categories for the movies we love, right? There are certain movies like Machine Guns that you can use over and over again. They have multiple bullets in the magazine. Those movies to me are like Tarantino movies, Edgar Wright movies, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is one of those to me. I just, I love them and I can just watch them over and over again. Then there are movies like they're like bazookas you can only get one use out of them right schindler's list is one of those movies to me city of god is one of those that i i really have no interest in roma they just came out boyhood i really like them i thought they were really great i have no interest in returning to them at all Hmm. i mean i don't think that lessens the impact it's just two different types of you know some movies connect and some movies don't, but that doesn't take away from the greatness. Fight Club for me is one of those that, I mean, it's been a minute since I've rewatched it, but I do. I mean, I've seen it more times than Zodiac, but what does that mean? I think Zodiac is an A plus movie. I think that's David right. Fincher's, either that or Social Network are his crowning achievements. I think those two are legitimately masterpieces. I think those mm-hmm. are. When he dies, those are going to be the two that people right. talk about. I think this is up there with kind of seven. Like, I think they're on the same level. I think they're both doing something different. But, yeah, I put I, I think both of these are A movies. So, yeah, I don't think this is an A+. Plus. I don't think it's perfect. Right. And I think A would be higher than A- minus if I'm doing yeah. math correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I like it a little bit more than you. I think everything it's doing, I think the style is on point. I think this is David Fincher's just having fun with style. Because um, that open, but the, and then the, the score is insane. I think everything about it. I mean, it's one of those movies that I don't hate Edward Norton in, yeah. which is rare. I don't hate Edward Norton. I just think he's a pretentious asshole. I love that he's cast in Birdman, basic self, this fucking egomaniac actor that no one fucking likes. Right. Um, but no, it's I just like everything about it. 
And I can't say that I love it because the people who love it like are the worst people. So I don't love it, but I do really, really, really like it. And I think it's very good. And Meatloaf is great in it. Like Jared yeah. Leto was good in it. Like it's the fact that Jared Leto were good in this movie. I mean, that's that's the testament. Oh, he Dave just got to sit there. Dave Fincher's gotten too good. I, I it's true. <laughs> the, the actor I picked for his for Angel Face, you're gonna be like, yeah, you picked that person for a specific race. Like, yeah, I yeah. did. Um, but no, I yeah, I like Fight Club a lot. I don't think it's just like Seven. I don't those are his masterpieces. I think right. Zodiac, when he dies and the, the book is written on his career, I think, like I said, Zodiac and Social Network, those are the, the two. I mean, that's two masterpieces. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. So, no. He's a great director. I also don't think he from... has anything. He's a great director. I don't think he has anything worse than a C. Like even Curious Case and Benjamin Button, which I know a lot of people dislike, I see, because I think what it's doing is, I just think it's, I think that's the biggest problem with it. Yeah. Like it's not nothing wrong technically, it's just really long and boring. But we ain't talking about that, we're talking about Fight Club, and <laughs> we're talking about recasting Fight Club, so we're starting, because you threw a curveball at me. In the last second, the midnight hour, you're like, hey, why don't we recast the boss? Because this was originally supposed to be the narrator, Tyler Durden, Marla Singer, uh, Fat Titties, and Angel Face. And you decided to throw in the ball, which got me in scramble mode. So I had to find a boss real quick. So well, I had he does, to find he does more than before. he does more than Bob and Angel Face. So I mean, you're not wrong. I just didn't. I just didn't think of him. But you're not wrong. It's just Angel Face popped in my head because once he pops into the movie, he's, <laughs> I'm. I mean, you got me there. But before we get to the boss, because I do really want to talk about the boss because the actor I picked is one of my favorites. No, it's not Billy Zane. Considered him. We got to talk about director because that's going to be, that's going to shape what our version of Fight Club could be. Because Fight Club remaking this would be very hard for any director, really. Because right. it's like, why, why eat it? But that's not the question that we do here on the podcast. We don't ask that question. This movie getting remade. We want to see the best version of this movie. So we're trying to pick the best version. So give me your best version of Fight Club. What director are you going with, sir? All right. So, you know, my director, I, I kind of, I went back and forth between a couple and it just depended on how, because I think that Fight Club definitely, I to me, I don't think you revisit toxic masculinity again. I don't think you uh, revisit the same. I think you still can have, you know, some subtext there, some type of meaning here. And so I'm not going to tell you exactly my, what changes I would make until I get to uh, my narrator and Tyler Durden, just because when I tell you my, my director, and if I, if I told you that and I told you my director, it would kind of give it away. So I'm not going to give it away yet. But uh, one of the one of the directors that popped in my head first uh, was uh, Damien uh, Chazel, Chazel, uh, that did Whiplash, La La Land, 
Uh, he wrote those. He wrote Tim Cloverfield Lane. I was, and that kind of got me thinking: is I want somebody here that could probably. Damien Chazelle be, wrote Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yep. I had no idea. I had, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I had no idea who wrote that. <laughs> yeah, that's what, and that's what I, 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 I didn't know either until I just kind of, you know, did an IMDb look at him, and you know, he he wrote Whiplash. He wrote uh, La La Land, and yeah, he wrote Ten Cloverfield Lane, and so it got me thinking: is I want somebody who is going to be a good director and he he's a, a good director, but also somebody who's a good writer because you've got, this is, this could be a difficult, I don't know if, you know, are, are, are you going to do the whole, you know, it's a secret thing. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's everybody who kind of knows fight club understands the spoiler alert of what's going on there, uh, whether you figured it out or not, but by now you should have. So if, if to make it a little bit more interesting, you need a really good writer, somebody who's going to knock it out. Uh, and since we don't really recast writers, I was kind of like, well, let me get a director who does some really good writing and does some really good directing. So said all that to go, I went with a guy who's, who's blowing up and needs to have a, a kind of a big movie like this. And it's not the prequel to Lion King. But I want Barry Jenkins to do my updated version of Fight Club. He uh, did Moonlight, If Bill Street Could Talk. He wrote uh, those and stuff. So he's a really good writer, really great director. And um, somebody who's just, he's just, he's making quality movies. And this would be one of those that's right there that I could, he could add some real good meaning and subtext and um, social commentary to today's world with what i kind of envision of what this movie would be so that's my pick uh, is barry jenkins that is a very interesting pick i don't i can see it i mean i i get i can see it because that's also yeah is that no he doesn't necessarily tackle toxic masculinity in moonlight but he does tackle a specific type of masculinity in that so i right. do think and man, I I really don't want to see him do that next Lion King movie. So <laughs> watching him do a Fight Club, that would be interesting. I yeah. I think that would be an interesting pick. Mine, I guess, mine is more obvious because of the to toxic masculinity angle, and that's a new director, and she movie just came out for some people, and that's Emerald Fennell, and her movie is Promising Young Woman which is literally all about toxic masculinity. So I want to lean into it even harder. And yeah, it's interesting watching a woman tackle Fight Club. What would she do? Now, I wanted to, you know, do the gender flip, but one, that's stupid. And two, no, you can't do a gender flip on Fight Club. It doesn't work. The entire point of Fight Club is a gay man's, critique on heterosexual impetus i mean that's the whole movie is what that movie is about so making men doesn't really work unless you got a woman to play a man like if kristen stewart was cast as tyler durden but played it as a man that would be interesting i mean that i mean that could be but no, I think you have to make it about men. So seeing it through the a female's perspective, I think that would be something interesting. Oh yeah, I like. I, like, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen her work, uh, anything that she's done yet. Um, I mean, this is literally all she's ever made is this movie. That's the only one. Okay, so she's done some acting, but not uh, just a couple of 
director mm-hmm. short and that. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll have to take your word for it. <laughs> I mean, she's once you see it, you'll see style, and then you'll see you'll see where, where I'm coming from with this pick. And it's screamingly obvious why I picked this act uh, this director. Because it's gotcha. that movie is all about toxic masculinity to a point where you're like, I get it. But it's that's it's a topic that you can't be subtle with because that's what happened. Fight Club was too subtle. It was too subtle with its critique on toxic masculinity to the point where the fucking dude bros came out and you're like, God damn it. And they still come out 20 years later. So it's I don't need subtle. I need a sledgehammer. And I think she can do it because of promising a woman. Uh, so uh, we are going to do uh, the boss, uh, the narrator's boss, uh, Richard uh, Chesler is his name, played by uh, actor uh, Zach Grenier. He's one of those that even if I tell you what he's in, you you may not know uh, what he's in. He's one of those just character actors that's been in a lot of stuff. He's got kind of that weasel boss face that's just perfect uh, for this role and he you know he's kind of on the the narrator uh, quite a bit and for good reason because their narrator is kind of you know being a, a lazy uh, employee at the same time so my choice is kind of a an obvious almost type of pick i really like kind of using uh, remakes sometimes bringing back certain actors to play certain roles in the remake it doesn't work all the time but I think it would kind of work here. And I, I, I would love to see Edward Norton reprise this role or not reprise this role, but uh, come back for this role. I doubt he would do it, but I, it would be a fun just kind of, cause he he's, he'd be a weasel. He'd be a, you, you wouldn't like him cause he can play that just unlikable type of character, but then also that just play that really, that shocking face when um, the narrator starts beating the crap out of himself in his office, <laughs> just, which is still a funny scene to this day. Um, I wonder if anybody ever tried that uh, in real life. Like they tried like beating themselves up in after this, because of this movie, because of that scene, they tried beating themselves up in the boss's, office or something and then try and then just so you can get some type of settlement or something that, that I mean it, it'd be it'd be craziness but uh so yeah that's my pick I didn't really have any other ones uh, that was just kind of the first one that popped in my head pretty easy peasy uh so Edward Norton for the boss Richard Tesler it's funny that you mentioned Edward Norton because one of the people that popped into my head because I was like well what if we do a female I thought about maybe a female boss and then I thought wouldn't it be fun to do Janine Garofalo because she auditioned and she really, really wanted the role of Marla Singer. And she blames, for some reason, she blames Edward Norton for not getting it. And Edward Norton's like, I have no fucking, I have no, I have no power over, it's David Fincher. I have no power over who gets cast in this. And he's even baffled by it. He's like, I don't, have you met David Fincher? I don't have any power over that. But for some reason, she has this weird bone to pick with Edward Norton. And she, he's like, I, I have no power over this. So I thought maybe Janine Garofalo would be fun because she wasn't in the original and she really wanted to be in it. Yeah. Um, and I could see her being a prick. I could definitely see Edward Norton being a prick. Yeah. But I, I'm picking an actor because he's coming up. He's coming back. So it's not like I'm bringing him out of obscurity. He's the, This is his upswing. He was just cast in the Darren Aronofsky movie. He's in a superhero show right now, and he's the best part of it. I want to see Brendan Fraser. 
I want to see him come back. He's coming back. It's too slow, in my opinion. I want to see a hundred directors pick his ass. And now this isn't a big role, but everything, I every little step is leading him back to being in movies again, and that's what I want. I love Brendan Fraser. He's one of the actors you're going to hear me talk about over and over again on this podcast. Eric Roberts, Billy Zane. I'm going to talk about these actors over and over again because I love them and they're not getting the work I think they deserve. I've always loved him and I don't understand why he's, I mean, I, I know why, why he took himself out of the equation. He's had a hard life. Like the two thousands were not a good time for him. I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but you could read up on what happened to him. So it's unfortunate what happened to his career, but it seems like he, he's wanting work again. He wants to come back, and I want to see him come back. So, I mean, again, this isn't a huge role. He wouldn't be doing – and I considered him for the meatloaf role, to be honest. But I'm like, I don't I want people – because oh, people already make fun of his weight, and he was yeah. he's just cast in a movie called The Whale where he plays a 600-pound man, and I'm like – uh, I, I feel like that might be a little too on the nose. So I'm like, yeah. even though I can see him playing this role, I mean the the bitch tits role, yeah, Bob. But I'm actually almost talking myself into picking that, but I'm not. It's too late. I know it's too late. It's, it's locked in. It's locked in. No, I, li- I like that pick. I, li- I like Brendan Fraser, and I, I I agree with you. He, this is one of those type of roles that yeah, because you want to see him as a leading man. You want to see him, or at least in a big role in a big movie. And this movie, if you're remaking Fight Club, it's gonna be a big movie. Uh, as far as there would be a lot of buzz around it, good or bad. There's it's gonna be a big type of movie. So this would be one of those you want to be in the movie. It doesn't really matter what role. And really, outside of uh, Marla, the narrator, and Tyler Durden, there's not a lot to go around here. And like that's why I thought about you know adding in the boss because he probably has more scenes than anybody else in this movie outside that actually had talks and does interacts with significant you know with the the narrator more than the some of the guys in the fight club like angel face and bob like he, they share scenes but he has more dialogue and whatnot so yeah i i would love to see that and he'd be great in that role all right so uh next uh we are gonna do mr angel face you know the lovely um the lovely young and supple the young supple <laughs> <laughs> And he was young and supple back in this day. Jared Leto, who was, you know, blonde as blonde can be with the eyebrows and everything. Because everybody is like dark hair in this movie. And then he steps on there with his blondness and just sticks out like a, not like a sore thumb in a bad way, but he sticks out. And I think that's why maybe he's more, he's more memorable than a lot of the other characters because of that blindness i guess because everybody else is kind of dark and all that so he kind of stands out but he also you know he's angel face because he's he's a beautiful man and uh, he gets the ever-loving crap beat out of him by edward norton and uh, is not so beautiful definitely wanted to get somebody who is kind of a good looking uh kid uh and this is one uh, kind of like your Brandon Fraser, not like he's coming back, but this is a kid who's coming up. Like we, and I know you'll like him too. Uh, we we've talked about him just off air on a different uh, thing about how how much we really like this kid and um, want to see him succeed. And he needs to be in something big to do that. 
And so I went with uh, Joe Keery from Stranger Things. He's, you know, he's a good looking kid. Uh, this is a type of role that if he could get in this movie, this big of a movie, just kind of do like Jared Leto and just, just be there and do whatever. It could be a jumping off point for him to get bigger and better roles. And he's one of those that he can just sit there and look pretty, but he can also act. Uh, so if you gave, if, if, you know, Barry Jenkins decided to give him a little bit more meat uh, here in this um, role, he, he could handle it, I believe. And I didn't really have any other, choices uh he just kind of that was one of the first guys that uh jumped in my mind so uh joe keery for angel we yeah we approached this role differently because i thought of somebody pretty and then somebody i want to see get beat the fuck up (laughs) and the the only name that popped into my head is noah centineo i cannot fucking stand that actor at all so, and it's nothing against him. It's just he's the blandest, most vanilla shit I've ever seen. He is in probably every single Netflix rom-com that's ever been made. This, this is bread and butter. He was just cast as He-Man, which is good luck with that. Say what? Yeah, good luck with that. I don't see that at all, but okay. Oh. Um, he's in the new Black Adam movie or something. I. I find him a black hole of charisma and I don't want to shit on this actor because maybe he'll get better. People, ha- people get better, but I just want to see somebody take their fist and beat the shit out of them. <laughs> and, but here's the thing. I'm giving him the golden ticket being in a fight club. That would be the best thing he's ever been in. Like by far, even if this movie wasn't good, which it's going to be because I'm making it. Um, I mean, this is the. I mean, the only the biggest movie he's been in since. I mean, in his career outside of the rom com shit is like the Charlie's Angels remake that no one fucking saw. So it's this would be the biggest stepping stone because he's right there on the cusp of. I mean, because again, like I said, I mean, I don't think that He Man movie is ever getting made. Like it's been a revolving door of directors and actors, and who gives a shit. And I mean, that Black Adam movie has been in talks for years. The Rock has been attached to the DCEU for seven years, and he still hasn't made a fucking movie, which I don't understand. Yeah, Marvel, MCU, there's been like 10 MCU movies since uh, The Rock was announced as Black Adam. That do, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, why are you wasting The Rock? But the thing is, he doesn't age, so it's fine. Yeah. But. And they didn't even tease him in Shazam. I mean, like barely, but not really. And I'm like, what are you doing? But no, it's, I don't think he's a good actor, but maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, who knows? Well, I mean, if he's doing a lot of, like you said, I'm, I'm looking at his IMDb and I, so I I am um, one of those that who did see Charlie's Angels. (laughs) (laughs) And I know why you did. Uh, And you know why I did, because I love my, my girl, Kristen Stewart. And I, now as soon as you brought that up, like he's so, he was so unmemorable that I, but the moment that you said, oh yeah, he's that, he's, it was in that. And I was like, okay, he plays just kind of this. I don't know their life coach type thing. He, he plays so guy, vanilla guy. He and plays vanilla guy who wears all white mm-hmm. and, you know, rubs on the girls and is like their life coach, basically like their um, guru or something. But yeah, if he's doing all these 
uh whatchamacallit um netflix stuff and all that then yeah there's probably a reason why he's not he's not that great but i mean I, hey yeah, man time will tell i guess i mean hey he's in movies and i'm not so i can't really yeah. shit on the guy too much he's found his niche and he's working it i'm like hey man more power to you but who i don't also want to shit on actors because of the quality of their movies because honestly right. meatloaf has been shit in almost every movie he's ever been in honestly Fight Club is one of the only movies where I'm like, oh, Meatloaf can act? Oh, I didn't know that. So right. you never know what an actor can do. It's it's always... Right. I mean, even directors who work with actors can only get good performances out of them. Like Michael Madsen. He's only good in Tarantino movies. Outside of that, he's not good. So you never know what the fucking actor can do. So I might personally not like Noah Centineo, but who knows? Maybe he's got the talent that we don't know. But yeah, I like Joe Keery. I, I I think that's I can see him being that pretty guy that turns and then gets like super obsessed with this shit mm-hmm. and is like the the second in command. Like I could see yeah. that. So no, that's a good pick. I just wanted yeah. to beat the shit out of Noah with something else. So <laughs> And I was like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to further somebody's <laughs> career, you know, here, but okay. So, uh, onto our, um, and I, that's, I don't, that's, that's a pick. I really, you know, yeah, you pretty much summed it up. There's not much else I could say about it. So, uh, so we are on to, uh, Mr. Uh, Meatloaf here, the, the Robert Paul, uh, Robert Bob Paulson, uh, character, um, who is basically a big guy with man boobs, like legitimate man boobs. And this is one of those, the first guy that popped in my head. The moment we talked about it, this was the first guy that popped in my head. And uh, that's, I mean, he's, uh, you'll know, uh, hopefully you guys know who this guy is. He's kind of having some some good, a good little career here the last few years. And that's Paul Walter Hauser. He is just I just got done watching the TV show Kingdom, which is basically an MMA fight show with Frank Grillo and uh, other guys. And he's on there and he's the funniest character. Uh, he, he plays a character that goes to prison for uh, rubbing his junk on avocados in a grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and he's like this guy who's maybe, you know, mid 20s, late you know, whatever, that's a virgin and just really weird. He saw his his mom murdered by his dad when he was a kid, that kind of thing. So he's he's really damaged, but he's just hilarious. And the, the range of him, I mean, he cried so much. And that made me think of Bob, uh, you know, of Meatloaf. He cried so much in it, but he's also, you know, he's very lovable, even when he's weird. And so you kind of want somebody that when, you know, he's sitting there that you, you like you said, with Meatloaf, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he had a couple of good songs. He, he I love him in Rocky Horror Picture Show, but all he does, he's really doing is singing. But this is a guy, if you gave him more, because he can act. I mean, we, we've seen him. He can act. He could, He's great in Cobra Kai, but he was also really good in uh, Richard Jewell and um, I, Ta- uh, Tanya. He can, he can freaking act and he can do silly, but he can do serious. He can do a lot. And I think he would just knock this out. Um, and it would be another big, good role for him to lead to more to more stuff which i think he's getting he's there he's getting there he's he's a well enough known name that you should know who this guy is if you've watched movies or tv shows in the last few years so um i think i think he would be great in this i would love to see him play this role and i think he would embrace it as well where some actors wouldn't you're either going to get somebody who doesn't want who doesn't want to be an overweight guy with uh, you know breast 
and I think he would embrace it wholeheartedly and uh, give it his all. So, Paul Walter Hauser. It's you just set me up with the perfect segue ever <laughs> because he was famous for playing Richard Jewell. The next year, someone else played Richard Jewell in the fucking movie, and that's my pick. So it's kind of crazy that we picked two oh, wow. actors that played the exact same fucking role. <laughs> so that's fucking, that's wild. So you went with the film version of Richard Jewell. I went with the TV version and both of them knocked it out of the park. Yeah. I'm going with Cameron Brenton who worked with David Fincher, which I didn't even think about. He is Edmund Kemper in Mindhunter. That's the thing that people most know him from. He's also oh, yes, in yes. Umbrella Academy. And like I said, Richard Jewell, he's been in yeah, a bunch of shit. I love this fucking actor. Like, I am obsessed with this guy. Because he's one of those guys that just had like five things I loved all come out at the same time. Right. And I'm like, who the fuck is this? And his Edmund Kemper. Because I'm a huge fan this hasn't come up on the podcast, but I'm a huge fan of like serial killers and true crime and shit. So one of my favorite podcasts is last podcast on the left. Shout out to them, I guess. Um, free plugs, baby. Free plugs. Free plug. Uh, <laughs> we'll send you. We'll send you a bill in the mail. <laughs> and yeah, they covered an Edmund Kemper and shit like that. So I'm huge on that. So when that show came out, and I was like, "Ooh, who are they going to get to play Edmund Kemper?" And fuck, does he knock it out of the park? Yes, it is uncanny. Like he, the only difference, and this is the only fucking thing that you can critique him on, kind of, is that he's fatter. And I don't even want to call him fat. He's just a yeah. bigger guy than the real Edmund Kemper. And that's it. Outside of that, he has the same tone, the same inflection in his voice. Like it's era, eerily accurate. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Like it, sh- it sends shivers down your spine. Like. This is a fucking insane person. And then you see him in Umbrella Academy and he's a fucking goofball. So I'm like, if that person can do those things, those two wildly different roles, I'm like, this is a guy I'm going to be keeping an eye on forever. I love your pick. I love my pick. And it's very weird that they had that weird cross section. Yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting. And that they both played, it's they both played Richard Jewell and they were both accurate. And I'm like, how is that possible? Like two actors coming out a role and both nailing it. I'm like, how is, it's just weird to me that how that happened. But no, I, I love your pick. Obviously I love my pick because I like Cameron Britton, but I wanted somebody also physically intimidating because he's like six, five. Cameron's yeah. huge. So yeah paul's not really physically intimidating but you know i like i said yeah i don't i don't it's one of those as long as you're conveying the emotions and yeah it's i think they're both great picks so all right so our next one is uh marla singer uh which originally played by helena bottom carter y'all should know uh, her pretty well especially you harry potter nerds out there um, speaking of fandoms, we're just alienating people left and right here. Uh, so my pick, you know, um, I, I went through a few, but nothing that I was like, oh, I just really loved. So I, until I landed on, uh, I just, I went with Zazie Beats, somebody who is kind of an up and comer. Mm. I think she 
can have because Helena Marla and Helena Helena have you know Helena's kind of played I wouldn't say the same character but similar characters that are just kind of out there has a unique look but I can understand why people are attracted to her Zazie is very attractive but she can also kind of have a, a unique I'm trying to think you know just kind of a different type of look to her like Marla kind of does she can play somewhat crazy that would like the Marla when she you know calls um or like the suicide thing and she's sitting there yelling at the people about how bad she is just let her die and but then also kind of be kind of fun sexy girlfriend uh in those moments and so this is somebody I I want to see kind of grow and grow and get get bigger lead roles and this would definitely be she's great on Atlanta she was great in Deadpool too I I even you know she didn't have much to work with in Joker but I enjoyed what she kind of did in spurts and so I think it's somebody who's just on the rise and this would be one of those where I don't think I think if you offered her this roast with with Barry Jenkins and the other people that are in this movie, she would probably jump at it because it would be kind of a skyrocket to, okay, now you're going to be probably the star in in movies coming up. And she's right there. That's my pick, Zazie Beats. I love that pick. I think Zazie is coming up. I think she's almost there. I don't even know what the A-list is anymore, honestly. Yeah. To me, if you're tough. in a Marvel movie, you're really A-list, in my opinion. Like everyone knows who Zazie Beats is now, basically. Right. She's in two, she was in two big superhero movies. Like it's, or three. Wasn't she in Deadpool 2? She's in Deadpool 2. Yeah, Deadpool 2 and Joker. Um, no, I like Zazie a lot. I think she's tough. I think she's badass. Yep. The thing with Marla is Helena Bonham Carter, it's one of those roles that kind of defined her career fight forward because before fight club she was known as like the merchant ivory movies like she would be like howard's end and shit like if it yeah. was a fancy movie set in the english countryside which really and fucking um umbrellas and people eating watercress sandwiches and talking about the boys they love like bullshit like that. That's what her bread and butter it was. Like Emma movies, but Emma Thompson and Kate Winslet, those types of movies. That's what she made. And this movie is the turning point where she started hooking up with Tim Burton and started doing kooky yeah. weird shit and started being the weird kook girl. And this is the turning point. It's kind of like Leslie Neal playing. Like that is the turning point in his career where people stopped seeing him as a serious actor and he was the goofball from that point forward. So I tried to think in terms of that, of trying to think of somebody to break casting, but I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to go with somebody crazy. And I just went with <laughs> Evan Rachel Wood. There I was you like, go. fuck it. I'm just going to go with it because I think she can do it. I, I mean, anyone who willfully has sex with Marilyn Manson, just saying, you, you're fucking crazy. Gotta have a little craziness to her. I, but I also think she is a fantastic actress, and she is probably at this point the only thing Westworld watchable because that show has gone downhill fast and hard. That first season is amazing, and every season after that has been, uh, but she is 
been the bright shining star in it. Um, and I loved her in Kajillionaire. I think she's amazing in that. And and everything she's done, she's done so many things that uh, I can't even name them all. Like the, her little run on True Blood, The Wrestler broke my heart. The wrestler, like yeah. She's been a, yeah, she's been a bunch of shit. And yeah, and I don't know why she's worked for a long time and she's done a lot of shit. And I don't know why we keep harping on the A-list and what it is and how you become an A-list actor. And I don't think she is an A-list actor. No. And I, I truly don't know why. And I don't know how. Because everyone loved her immediately in the movie 13. She said, like, I, maybe because she doesn't do the bigger high-profile pro, high movies. The, get the Marvel movies or Star Wars, I guess. I mean, I she did Frozen too, but that doesn't fucking mean anything. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't boys. know why people don't talk. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why people don't talk about her more. I think she's a fantastic actress. I think everything she does is great. I, I mean, and she honestly makes a lot of things. I've watched things because her and Shia LaBeouf were the reason I watched Charlie Countryman. Like, she was the reason why I watched that Woody Allen movie. Um, whatever works. Uh, which is not one of his best movies, but I don't know. I don't know why people. Oh, and she did being in the Phantoms. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen that one. Uh, I'm also just perusing for IMDb right now because I'm just <laughs> thinking of something that. Oh, four point one. That's probably why I haven't seen it. Jesus Christ. Um, no, I just I don't know why people don't talk about her as a great actress. That like, what what more does she need to do? She's fucking killing it on Westworld. What more does she need to do? I, I don't know. But I think she could do the crazy Marla Singer bullshit. Honestly, to me, Marla Singer is like the most important character in the movie. Yeah. And she's the most, she's, uh, she's the most complicated character, really, because she doesn't give a fuck. She goes to places where people talk about cancer just to get free coffee. She she steals people's laundry just to sell it. She's broken, but she's strong. She's a very interesting character. I think Helena Bonham Carter gets enough credit for bringing that weirdo to life. And I think, yeah, I just think Evan Rachel Wood could do that. So that's my pick. Well, that's a good pick. I'm kind of right there in the same boat with you. She's not somebody that that I pops in my head, but anytime she, I see a movie with her in it, I'm like, okay, yeah, she's going to be good. You know, um, I'm, I'm, I couldn't get through the first season of uh, Westworld, so I can't really tell you much about that. But I did love her and uh, other things, especially the wrestler. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good pick there. Okay, so now we are going to uh, the narrator, which was played by Edward Norton. Y'all should know Edward Norton. You know, he. He's one of those, especially at this time, I kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, coming off of Primal Fear and American History X and Rounders, he was so wide hot. And if you liked, if you love those movies, which most people did, you were, you were a fan of his a big, big time. And he played this role. He was kind of the, the you know, kind of how we talked about Brad Pitt being the perfect Tyler Durden. He was kind of the perfect narrator here, kind of that daring, daring the headlights guy who's just kind of going through the motions and like the whole, like the Ikea 
you know, room that, you know, that breakdown that he just, he just buys the things off Ikea and he puts it in the same spot that it looks like in the magazine or on the internet, whichever you're buying from. And, you know, and it's just, everything's vanilla and it's just rinse, wash, repeat and that kind of thing. You kind of, I kind of need the same type of person here. And again, first person that popped in my head, I think he, he's not, he's not, I wouldn't say he's like Edward Norton 2.0, but he's got the same kind of qualities when he acts. Um, and that's Andrew Garfield would be my narr- narrator, you know, Spider-Man uh, and some other, you know, social network and stuff. Uh, he's done some really, some really good work. I, I, I enjoy him outside. Uh, I enjoy his drama. I, enjoy, I think he's kind of funny, uh, but I can see him kind of playing this kind of just guy who shows up probably should be better, should be have, have more success or something, but just doesn't for whatever reason. Um, and is going to be frustrated with his life at a certain point and wants to make decisions. And this is what leads to, you know, the creation of Tyler Durden. Good enough looking guy that he should have women, but he doesn't. And he's kind of would be that Ying to Marla's Yang, you know, like he's not the crazy one. He does some of the similar stuff to her, like, you know, showing up to certain things, but not the same way. So, and I think um, Zazie and Andrew would have some some good chemistry there. Um, and then I could see him just bouncing off, especially with the guy that I picked for Tyler Durden, but the Paul Walter Hauser and Joe Curie and him playing Edward Norton as the boss, like against Edward Norton as a boss, I think would just be fantastic. So yeah, that's my pick, Andrew Garfield. Yeah, I wanted to go with someone. I mean, I like that pick. I think Andrew Garfield is at his best when he's playing people that are put upon like social network i like when he is getting put i kind of like his spider-man i think he got better in the sequel i hate the sequel i know you're a fan of it and i think he got better in i that enjoy movie. spider-man but i just think he's miscast he's too pretty and i don't buy him as a nerd so i but i do buy him when he like social network when he's just put upon and he's like Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus works because he's a character that has to find the strength to be better, right? And that's kind of Tyler Durden, kind of, where it's him fighting against. I mean, if you honestly take this movie literally, you look at it from the Freudian perspective, he's fighting against his limp penis, really. I, he blows up buildings because he can't have sex properly that's basically it so i mean that's i can kind of garfield doing that maybe i mean he's too pretty (laughs) that's the problem is people keep casting him in these nerd roles and i'm like he's kind of too pretty but no i could i can see that though i can see him being in that corporate malaise where he's just a drone in a system and he's not getting the respect or like he's just and he can't sleep and he's just a lackey and right he's just wearing you know the white collar short sleeve shirt with a tie that's not all the way tucked in and the brown khaki pants and just kind of the blah of it so yeah um yeah, I, th- I think, and I think that you know, yeah, he's not Ed Norton's not a bad looking guy, but he's not Andrew Garfield, and he's not definitely not Brad Pitt. But I think you could, I think you could dumb, not dumb. I guess you could, you know, dress Garfield down enough, 
you know, give him a stupid looking haircut, you know, and have him play this part really well. Yeah, he would. You'd you'd really have to. I mean, he's a good actor can do anything, really. I'm not right. saying he can't do this. It's just damn that pretty face of his. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of just wanted to get someone who is the personification of being put upon, really. And I, it's funny to me, the first thing that popped into my head is the kid from Everybody Hates Chris. That that sitcom from the early 2000s okay gotcha about, uh, loosely based on i mean he's gone out to do other things like dear white people and detroit and other shit like he's grown he's grown into being uh, a very good actor but i loved him in that show i mean it was loosely based on loosely loosely based on chris rock's life and it's just life was always shitting on him and i'm like i want to see that i i need an actor that it's just life shits on him and he has to deal with it to the point where he breaks. And that's what happens when break. Um, I mean, not to get, I think Chuck Palahniuk wrote it from a point of whiteness. And I think it's white rage mostly in this in fight club you really don't see a lot of black people in the fight club from what i remember i don't think there's any black people in the fight club not in the actual fight club um just the cop like cops is the only thing that i remember yeah is cops yeah so i think that's by design i think fincher yeah. specifically like i mean this there's a point to this so maybe this pick doesn't work maybe something with this um I don't know. I'm not smart. I'm not the director. I'm not smart enough to do something with this. But no, I just, I think Tyler James Williams. I don't even think I said his name because I said everybody hates Chris. Yeah. Tyler James Williams. I think he's a great actor. I think he's coming up. I think he's making interesting choices right now. And yeah, let's, let's see it from his perspective. I mean, I already have a female director. So that's a new perspective. Let's do another new perspective and let's see what the narrator would be like if he was black. So let's just go crazy. Let's just go crazy. There you go. So no, I, I, big- I like that pick. Yeah, I like that pick. I, I you know, I, it's an interesting because I think there's stuff to, to work there with if you, you do, um, you know, race uh, swap the that character uh which leads me to my tyler durden who was played by uh brad pitt and this is where i kind of so the first kind of the first few that kind of came through my mind and they might have been a little too old or i just i was you know i was thinking more along the lines of brad pitt so i was like oh well, rising ryan gosling or jake gyllenhaal that kind of uh avenue but when i landed on barry jenkins and this is where so i kind of you know, earlier when I was talking about uh, how my movie would go. And this, I think, will show you where I'm going with the Andrew Garfield character and especially going with Barry Jenkins. So instead of it being toxic toxic masculinity or something like that, I think, and I think you could do it either way. I, you know, I like with your pick, you know, having a black actor as the narrator. I don't know where you're going with Tyler Durden, but if you were to go with a white uh, actor is Tyler Durden. There's some interesting ways you can go. So with what I'm doing is kind of in this day and age in 20, 
2021 to date this or whatever in the 2020s there's you know social issues that are going on uh right here yes toxic masculinity is you know somebody i, I don't like that toxic masculinity i'm not going to go down that uh, rabbit uh, trail there but i think there's big you know cultural appropriation or privilege is a big thing so you can kind of play with those kind of meanings and subtext here and so i went with michael b jordan as my tyler durden uh, i think uh, michael b jordan would be able to play that role play a very just like brad pitt did with playing like i want to be that guy I, I could see a lot of people being like, you know, I want to be Michael B. Jordan. And we've already kind of seen that. Um, you know, I think he was, you know, one of the best things about uh, Black Panther. Uh, we've seen how he can really act. Um, you know, he's great in Creed. He's great uh, in Fruit Valley Station. Uh, he's, 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 a, he's got a lot of a wide range. So he could play like the, the out there that Brad Pitt, like uh, I, per, I saw Michael B. Jordan in that, uh, the role where like the, the uh, kind of the gangster bar owner that comes down there and starts beating the crap out of uh, Tyler Durden. And he's like, oh, I, I, I didn't get that. And he backs him again. He's like, Oh, I think I got it. No, I forgot it. And then he slaps him again. And, and then he just kind of goes nuts and he's laughing and why he's being punched. I could see Michael B. Jordan just killing that scene. And then just having the cool kind of vibe look to him that Tyler Durden does. That's kind of different that people would kind of, kind of emulate there. So I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying, so, so uh, does that mean does the narrator, is he wanting to be a black guy or is he wanting to, I'm not saying that I, there's, avenues that you could explore there where you're like i want to be somebody that is different i want to be somebody who is you know cooler who's handsomer who's got this or that that you know that's kind of the the pool there right and so however you want you and you can almost flip the roles uh, you know with it like you said with yours the narrator being black and tyler Durden being white there are certain things there so um, I went with Michael B. Jordan. I think he would kill it, and I think he would. He'd be. It's a big enough, big enough star to pull people in. Um, and so, and I could definitely see him and Zazie having some, uh, some good chemistry. I mean, I know they don't really share scenes outside of just having sex uh, together, but yeah, I could see him and Andrew Garfield, like him just dogging Andrew Garfield, and Andrew Garfield just kind of sitting there, like, okay, you know, you know, that kind of thing. So. That's my pick, Michael B. Jordan. What's great about Michael B. Jordan is, one, we've seen that he has a phenomenal physique. And that's very important. Yes. yes. Because Brad Pitt was, at the time, the most insanely in-shape person I've ever seen. I was like, holy shit. I didn't know the human body could look like that. Now, <laughs> I've seen bodybuilders and shit, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, I still think, is the most perfectly sculpted man. But that's like a different level. Like that's unattainable. Yeah, they're usually bulkier. Yeah, that's un know. to me that's unattainable shit. Brad Pitt was like, anyone can look like this. If you, I, he looked like a great god. To me. If you worked hard enough, yeah, yeah. he looked like you a didn't great need god. steroids to look like Brad Pitt. Mm -hmm. I think Michael B. Jordan has proven that he can play a villain. He's played a villain a couple of times. I think he's the best part of Black Panther easily. I think anyone. Yep would i don't think anyone would deny that i think he so he could play villain i think he can play he's obviously very good looking he is sexiest man alive 2020 so i mean he has the looks he has the physique he has the cool factor he has the villain factor i think he's the, the perfect uh uh the perfect pa uh, package that's why yep. i'm also picking michael b jordan <laughs> 
That's great. Um, he was the first thing I thought of, and I just worked <laughs> around him. I think he is Tyler Durk. I think he is the only person I can picture right now that's taking the mantle of Brad Pitt. I think he's he's the perfect fucking package. I think he's not only a great. It's very hard for me to. I mean, you you have good looking people as movie stars now, but can they act? And I think he, he keeps showing that yes. He's the fucking real deal. Yeah. When I heard that they were making a Creed, like a, a, a spinoff of Rocky, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, we're, we're still doing this. Yeah. And then it's my third favorite Rocky movie, my, probably my second favorite Rocky movie. It's amazing. And Creed 2 is not bad. Good, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's good. It's not, it's not bad. It's, it's, it's a solid movie. It's going down that the cheese factor. I mean, and he's directing the Creed 3, so I, I'm very excited to see where that goes. Um, I hope to God he doesn't have to fight Mr. T, son. If we do that, then <laughs> I don't know what we're yeah, doing. Yeah, we need to do something different. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, but even if they do that, I'm like, that's keeping in tone with the cheese of Rocky franchise because that franchise is just fucking goofy. So it doesn't matter to me. No, I think they need to get that shit back to serious, but I just think Michael B. Jordan is Tyler Durden. I can see him wearing goodwill clothes because Brad Pitt is the only person I can think of that is stunningly gorgeous that makes himself look ugly as fuck, but still somehow looks hot. And I'm like, how do you do this? How do you do this? Like he went out of it after Thelma Louise he consciously tried to pick roles to make himself look ugly, like California, like um, yeah. Johnny Swade. He tried to go for roles that didn't hinge upon his looks. And yes, you can say Fight Club is the epitome of that. It's, he's hot. But as the movie progresses, he gets not uglier, but he becomes more of a monster. He has a shaved head. He has yeah. a chipped tooth. He he looks more and more like a fucking monster in that movie. He looks like a thug. He's not the hot, sexy guy anymore. He's a fucking thug, and that's by design, right? So yeah. I I could just see that as I cannot believe we have the same fucking pick because <laughs> when you pick Andrew Garfield, I was like, yes, you're not picking my. And I, I like, know, and that's why it's funny. That's why I was thinking the same thing because I was like, oh, we kind of both went different avenues, but still mm-hmm. ended up to the same point. Yeah, because it's. We don't do that often. We don't, again, we don't talk about our choices off air. Um, it happens though. I mean, sometimes it's just the perfect, like it's Ben Foster as Severin for our, you can find that on <laughs> our Near Dark episode. You can find that on Patreon. Plug, plug, plug. Um, so sometimes there's just a perfect actor for a role, and that's Michael B. Jordan for Tyler Durham. He's just, he's the reason I would watch a Fight Club remake. I don't. I cannot yeah. picture another actor in that role that would get me as excited. Because I could see, like I said, Ryan Gosling, Jake Gyllenhaal popped in my head. Probably, like I said, they're probably a little too old uh, for the mm. role, but not. I mean, not too much. I'm not. You know, they they still look good and whatnot. And I could see both of them playing, being the good looking guy, but playing. Especially, I could really see Jake Gyllenhaal really killing it and doing some of the the outlandish things that Brad Pitt did. 
But yeah, I don't want to go down that avenue. I don't want somebody, I don't want exactly the same person. But Michael B. Jordan is kind of the same person in a sense, like you talked about. And I'm hoping that Michael B. Jordan is does kind of go more of Brad Pitt's because I think he can really act and he can be more than just looks. And he can he could he could play pretty boy. He could be a pretty boy for the you know and have a probably a long you know, a good career and make a lot of money. But I do think he wants to do things that are going to push him. Yeah, he made the Black Panthers and he did Creed, um, you know, but he's the reason why he makes Creed. Yeah, Sylvester Stallone is great as Rocky in that. It's probably one of his better, better acting roles, but he's the reason why Creed worked. You know, even with uh, Creed 2, um, he does a really good job there. So, uh, and he, you know, he's done the Fantastic Four. I think he's kind of gone through the, okay, I'm the big name making the big money, but I need to start, I need to get back to Fruit Valley Station type stuff. And I think this would be, yeah, it'd be a big movie, but it'd be something to where he could really sink his teeth into and play a different type, another type of character. And he could play, like you said, he could, there's like three or four different type of roles that he could play in this one character. Uh, with the way it, it kind of switches uh, from time to time and uh, he can play the sex magnet he can play the the aloof you know um almost you know yeah us against the world type guy or he can play kind of the monster where he turns into the at the very end wearing the nasty um matted up fur coat you know type of thing so yeah I, I i like him a lot in this role yeah it's I also want to see him, yeah, wearing that fucking dime store <laughs> pimp clothes. Like, I just want to see him dressed like that. I just, and I really like your approach of a white man. Like, I'm not going to get into that whole rigmarole of, but like a white man picturing his, like his id would be like a black man. I think that's an interesting yeah. avenue to go down. Um, mine isn't as interesting, but I do think having a black narrator could open up a different avenue, maybe a different perspective that I haven't thought of because I am seeing this movie through the prism of white. But if you have a female director and the two main characters be black in a story that's fundamentally about, again, white toxic masculinity i'm tired of using that phrase but that's what it is yeah. about it's right yeah that's i mean this is what this book it is was, what it is yeah i mean the book was written before that phrase got overused um because every phrase eventually gets over fucking used but i mean this was before that honestly because this is where the term snowflake came from like this is this is the beginning of a lot of shit yeah um so it's funny to me that every time people keep saying snowflake i'm like you're quoting a movie that is a it's just funny to me that like you don't even get how ridiculous you sound when you use that unironically i'm like you don't even know but no i just yeah i think there's avenues you can go down and i think yours is very interesting and yeah i think barry jenkins is right now he's why is he doing lion king i the only i dude i don't try to the only money thing, yeah that's the only <laughs> thing i could think of is that what because it's guaranteed to make a billion dollars guaranteed so i think whatever he wants to do next is so risky that he needs that cushion that nesting that would guarantee him because taika white whitey had to make 
Thor Ragnarok in order to do Jojo Rabbit. And even right. then, Disney tried to fight him. And I'm like, it fucking won all those Oscars. So it's like, even when you have a hit, sometimes you can't get shit off the ground, which is weird to me because I'm like, yeah, Moonlight won all of the Oscars. It won Best Picture. If Beale Street Can Talk didn't have that same, I mean, that also won Oscars, but not as many, which I think arguably is better movie. I think Moonlight is more important, but I think if Beale Street Can Talk is probably the better movie. So whatever he's doing next, and Moonlight was a risky movie. It's about, you know, black people, uh, a black man um, coming to terms with the sexuality. Like, that's not the easiest fucking movie to get made. Yeah. So I don't, I, the only thing I can think of is that there's some some project that he can't get off the fucking ground and he needs that Disney money. That's the only because yeah. I'm like, why the I don't I don't see that's it. the only thing that makes sense. I mean, I I mean I don't know how the deals work, or it's either that or he's like, Okay, I'll do this. Yeah, like I'll do this, but you know, you've gotta give you know, give me enough money so I can get this off the ground, or I'll do this, but I really want to do an MCU movie, which I don't really see, but I don't see him. I don't. I didn't see him doing a Lion King prequel for crying out loud. But so if, like, if you wanted no to do an MCU movie, Blade would be the one, and right. there's no way Disney would say no to that. You're getting Barry so Jenkins to do yeah. Blade. Of course, that's a slam dunk idea. It would yeah. be weird, <laughs> but yeah. so is doing a Lion King movie. So I don't yeah. even. I that's so weird to me. I'm like, whatever. I'm just, maybe it'll be better. I don't know. Um, it's, I mean, isn't he dating or slash married to, uh, Chloe Zhao? I have no idea. I do not keep up with any of that. I don't know, but I believe he's married to the woman who did Nomadland and she's doing the interns. I could be getting that wrong. I Hmm. could 100% getting that wrong. Um, he might be married to the one who, or dating rather the one who did crazy rich agents. I or maybe that was a man. I think it was a man. I don't know. I could I could be m- yeah. making shit up because I can't keep track of that shit either. I just, I kind of wanted to go back a little bit on kind of my uh, perspective of the the white guy with his id as a black guy. I think we're in that a we should be in that era, you know, where it's not because he wants to be black or because. Um, Michael B. Jordan is going to be this uh, stereotypical black guy with, you know, the the gangster or the coolness, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? That's where it's like, oh, he wants to be, I, I want to be that guy that looks like this or, look, you know, I, I, and I, that's not where I'm thinking it, but I think there's place some of that in there, but where he's just looking at this is, this is the guy I would like to be. I would love to have this confidence i would love to have to look like this you know the uh have the six pack and have the the arms and have you know everything that this this guy has that's a little bit on the wrong side as well so that that's where i'm kind of coming from with that that i think there's there i think there's a lot there kind of like where you're in moonlight it's not as serious as moonlight but it's kind of on the same lines where you're coming to terms with something here what whatever it is and i think barry that's why i think barry jenkins would knock that out of the park and that kind of that dynamic and i could i think you like i said i think you could flip that i think you could have you know the narrator be uh black and he's seeing a white guy there because 
maybe this privilege you know that that is talked about a lot you know that kind of thing there's a i think there's a big dynamic there that you can kind of you know without it being straight up toxic masculinity uh, and whatnot so i think there's there's a good some good avenues there and that's probably you know and with uh your pick she she may go a certain way with it that you know it just knocks it out of the park that's a completely different way so and i think there's a lot d- a different type of avenues there uh with talented people absolutely i think it's yeah it's there's a lot to do with fight club there's a lot of avenues you can come at it with and i think yours is a very interesting i just i thought i was being the clever boy by getting a, a female director and a black cast and look at you look at you you're the cleverest boy of them all and but yeah look at you and this is the one i was doing sober I should have been more drunk because that's where the good ideas come from. But that was our list. But now, before we wrap up, we got to go through it all over again. So you want to run us through your picks one more time? Yeah. So my uh, director is uh, Barry Jenkins. My Richard Chesler is Edward Norton. My angel face is Joe Keery. My uh Robert Bob Paulson is Paul Walter Hauser. My Marlis Singer is Zazie Beats. My um, the narrator, Andrew Garfield, and Tyler Durden is Michael B. Jordan. And for me, my Richard Chesler, the boss, is Brendan Fraser. My angel face is Noah Centineo. My bitch tits, Robert Bob Paulson, is Cameron Britton. My Marlis Singer is evan rachel wood my narrator is tyler james williams my tyler Durden is the same as yours michael b jordan and my director is emerald fennell the director of promising young women well guys that's our cast and our episode let us know what you think on instagram at total recast podcast and over on screenagewasteland.com lastly if you want to support the show and get access to exclusive content join the cult of trash over at patreon.com backslash notl 